I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later, and we're gonna hurt some people. Which car are we gonna take? Please, what the fuck is it with you guys in Charleston? Don't they teach you how to read? Come on, let's go. This thing's here. Read them. Yeah, I don't wanna read that. This is, this shit, it doesn't sound. I'm not right. asking, it's not a choice. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, read the I'm page. I'm trying to please. make the shit sound fucking authentic. You got it all fucked up. Authent what? Welcome to Midweek Matinee, episode number six, where we are going to discuss the town. I am your host, Blake. I am joined by Joshua. What is up? Happy to be here. World's biggest Ben Affleck movie fan. (laughs) I am... I can't wait to talk about this movie. I am joined also by Brett. What's up? And Chris Figgs. What up, everybody? Blake, that wasn't nearly as nice as josh's when someone goes last i'm very insulted (laughs) (laughs) you are incredibly the least in his mind i am not leastly today and last and leastly (laughs) no so here i guess i got one for chris go shoot okay and lastly but not leastly the man with the hot takes and the even hotter browser history chris fix (laughs) that is a fact i delete my browser history twice a day (laughs) <laughs> you never know when the government's going to look back at your history um, the only thing hotter than my browser history is my crotch anyway the town yes the town <laughs> did it did it make your crotch hot the town it did make my crotch hot it also like this is a brilliant movie that offends me viscerally and is also incredible <laughs> oh god <laughs> well, we got some stuff to get into carry us through it Blake <laughs> All right, well, I guess we can start with Chris. Uh, what did you think of The Town? <laughs> the Town is a near-perfect movie. It's just, I am a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. I have the tattoo mm-hmm. on my wrist, and I have Fenway Park on my arm. So watching them rob Fenway Park feels like a travesty. But, <laughs> that, I mean... I almost came during that scene because I hate the Red Sox. All right, well, Damn. I hate you. Enjoy having your pitch tuned all the way up so you sound like a baby <laughs> i do not like baseball in the slightest so i was just saying that's good under your skin well, it works very well <laughs> <laughs> all right what about you joshua what did you think of the movie uh this movie had actors and scenes and it had dialogue and i definitely watched it do you mind if I put that on the back of the box? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I realized I was kind of stealing the uh, that tweet about whatever horror movie that was recently. But um, yeah, to keep it short for now, that was as much as I took away from this movie. I wanted to enjoy it, and I kind of just felt like I was seeing, I was seeing a movie. Yeah, you were. So you like it or you didn't Hard like agree. it? <laughs> like it, it, it's fine. It like I, I didn't think anything was bad about it. I just nothing grabbed me about it either. It was just it was fine. Okay, I gotcha. What about you, Brett? I'm actually on the exact same wavelength 
probably a little bit more forgiving of the movie uh, as Josh. Uh, I feel like of all the movies we've watched, this has probably been the one that for the most that I was just kind of like, this is a movie. It's perfectly fine. It's a fun watch, but there's nothing that's special about it. And there's nothing that really makes it iconic in any way in my mind, uh, as opposed to several other crime thriller movies. Um, Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a genre that I feel like often, um, is a fun watch, but misses the bar on being something that's ever going to really matter in someone's filmography. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I am, would be glad to be proven wrong through discussion. Mm. All right. Well, I viscerally disagree with you, too. I think this is like <laughs> one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Damn. I agree, actually. It is extremely good, in my opinion. But um, I didn't ask, but was this everyone's first time watching it or... No, not my first time. Not yours. What about you, Brett? It, it was my first time, though. It was either this or Gone Girl, but I think it was this that Saul let me borrow years ago, and I never ended up watching before giving it back to him. <laughs> okay, Gone Girl mm-hmm. is very good as well. But what about That's, you, Joshua? They're both you Ben Affleck, so yeah, they are. <laughs> this was my first watch as well, and I watched the okay. extended cut. I think we all did, right? Yeah, I did. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Which, that's good to clarify though in case we start talking about something that someone's like oh, I didn't see that yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. well Voodoo said there was 26 minutes of extra footage so that would yeah. be there's a lot of the movie that somebody wouldn't have seen so we sh- we probably should have just double checked beforehand but at least we all ended up watching the extended so that's good yeah but um yeah I think this was my first time watching the extended with like fully paying attention this is one of those movies that I often throw on in the background Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. like, the scene later where they are at Fenway Park during the baseball game, I don't have any recollection of at all. I actually didn't, too. I wonder if that's a scene from the extended, because I don't remember that. Yeah, that's the same here. Edition. Yeah, so I the rest of it, I didn't have that. I mean, it's not an issue, I just don't, for lack of a better word, the issue with of, like, where was this from? Mm-hmm. But that one mm-hmm. scene specifically stood out to me. But anyways, so... I guess we can start, is there, because the, the movie, like, overall theme-wise, I think, is kind of basic in that regard, so I, would y'all be more sure. interested in kind of talking about some of our favorite scenes from the start? Well, I, I don't know. I think that thematics may be one of the weird things that, I think, maybe one of the only things that really made the movie, and it's not like they were heavy or anything, but... Sure at least it, it, I feel like it at least gave you a narrative thread to push through and the themes that it was touching on were of course reinforced in the actual story um, so I mean I don't know if it's worth skipping entirely uh, but it, it, I, I should say it's not worth skipping to the point where we just immediately jump into scenes I feel like talking about some of the fabric of the movie would probably do well to explain why Josh and I maybe feel lesser about the movie than you do yeah uh, mm-hmm. I guess I should say, going into it, since you and Chris seem to be on the same side and and me and Josh are a little bit more on the same side. Fight. um, What is it about the movie that you enjoy so much? I mean, is it a a very similar thing to like The Lighthouse where you just love the cinematography so much that that's what pushes you over? Or do you literally think in every aspect this movie is stellar? And if so, why? You know? Yeah, I... um personally i think that there is nothing wrong with this movie and that every movie after this one should be based on this movie (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) but um 
but for real i um it's not necessarily like the cinematography in this one like i think it is beautifully shot whereas the lighthouse that was kind of one of the guiding factors in my love for that movie but um i don't know i just i like bank robbery movies and i think this is one of the best ones ever made so it's not really hmm. a sense of like this is my favorite movie because it taught me things does that make sense like i already know not to rob banks sure. <laughs> like i already know that you're going to get caught especially you know in this era but <clears throat> so i'm actually kind of more interested in you brett and josh as to you know why you found it not bad but just kind of like middle of the middle of the road i guess i'm gonna let josh spearhead this because i'm really curious without any provocation how close my feelings are to his sure go ahead josh okay i will do my best not to feel weirdly put on the spot by that <laughs> uh no um yeah no uh I, I had nothing against this movie. Uh, there were scenes that I did enjoy, but I think, I, I don't know, that there weren't any characters that I felt particularly attached to with the exception of like, I, I think Jeremy Renner did a great job throughout this movie of, you know, he's he's the, the loose cannon guy that you can't trust and he's always taking shit over the edge and causing problems and then later you kind of get to understand a more sympathetic angle to him and like how his life has shaped him and how even he's aware that like what he's doing is unsustainable but he feels kind of trapped in it like i liked that aspect of it but pretty much everything else in this movie to me just felt like very boilerplate very i've seen this either in crime dramas you know on tv or in other movies uh i felt like John Hamm was playing every John Hamm character. Uh, I felt like <laughs> Blake Lively was playing the default, you know, girl that is being judged by the movie. But later we find out is like, okay, well, you know, she's trapped in this too. But like, there wasn't. Sure. I just I, I kept looking around for a character to make me care about what was happening more. With the exception of moments from Jeremy Renner, who we don't get a lot of screen time with, I wasn't getting that. And as much as I'm like, I want to like Ben Affleck, I feel like his performance here is very wooden. And I was hoping Rebecca Hall would like kind of push it over the edge, but even her character was very like, I was really hoping the whole time that she was playing him because she kept asking all these really specific questions that felt like she knows exactly who he is and she's trying to make him feel bad as she lures him into this kind of thing. And she's going to turn the tables on him at some point. And when that never happened, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll watch this play out then. As much as I love this movie, like, I don't necessarily disagree that none of the characters are, like, extremely good. I, um, I really do like Ben Affleck in this movie, though. That is where I disagree, but him and Jeremy mm. Renner definitely carry the film. But I think, you know, like you said, it's kind of boilerplates, like, middle of the road, this type of movie. You've seen it before. And again, I don't necessarily mm -hmm. disagree with that. I just think this movie does it better than most, if not all, of these types of movies. Right, it's better executed than the majority. Yeah, I agree, 100%. What about you, Brett, now that Joshua has said his piece? I do think that most of what he says, uh, most of what he said is a very similar situation to me. One of the biggest things that I kept expecting the movie to do, and I guess I should give the movie credit for not doing what I expected it to do, hmm. but it was somehow less enjoyable, even though it technically went around my expectation. Uh, much like Josh, I kept thinking that, okay, Claire's character is going it, it knows who this is recognized his voice immediately and decided to play it cool and we're going to see one of either two things i thought and, and and i think that both of these directions would have made the movie much more enjoyable that we either see that she's been playing him this whole time and is working with him so that she can get a big enough scoop of information and just drop on the fbi's lap and assist him uh and overall just kind of betraying him mm -hmm. uh, and or 
intending to do that, but actually finding someone that she loved within him and then deciding to change her mind and then working with them to try and keep them from getting caught, uh, which I didn't think was going to be the actual ending because these kind of movies never end happily. <laughs> they just can't. And that's right. a good thing. They shouldn't. It would be very, very, it would pull so far from groundedness that it would start to feel like a rom-com. Mm. Right. And that's not what this is. Um, so yeah, I think my big thing is, is much like he said, none of the characters are especially interesting. None of them feel like something you've not seen in the movie before. And much like him, uh, as someone who is not some big Ben Affleck fan, cause I've not seen just tons of his movies, but I've never been impressed by him. Um, and that just follows here. He, it's like his character has some moments through little scenes that you see that look like they're trying to build him up, but you mm. never see any of those paid off or even really alluded to in his actions. He seems very stonewalled, uh, singular emotional level, but it, he never really leaves this rather static little frequency of uh, emotion. And to me, I just think it made for a very stilted movie. Yeah, I um about Ben Affleck. This isn't a Gone Girl podcast, but I that's think it. that is the perfect role for him, and that that's the best movie he's been in, and the best the best performance he's given. So I think maybe that movie might win you over on him. But you know, we'll talk about that another time, probably. Um, what about you, Chris? What makes you like the movie so much? I don't know. I think I just connect with the uh, the setting because it's it's close to me so like it's not home but it's close enough that i recognize all that stuff you know i spend all my time in boston so like the setting just really clicks with me um i know people like these guys so like a lot of it really kind of like the planning aspect i like all that kind of stuff and i like the execution of the hit of the jobs i thought that was really fun i liked the uh the scene with the cop when he just turns his head out that was great you know that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I wrote that scene mm-hmm. down because I think that, you know, to get, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but whenever they, um, they're they switching cars and the cop sees them and just turns his head is just the best scene in the movie, probably. <laughs> However, this is one of the so? few times where the ending of the movie I thought was almost unearned mm-hmm. and it really annoyed the shit out of me because I feel like they did just enough to be like, okay, he's actually going to get out. Mm. I felt like the way that he died was like a cop-out because it was like we have to kill him at the end of this movie he can't get out and have a happy ending and i kind of felt like that was a little a little cheap if anything you have him go out the same way everyone else does i thought but to mm-hmm. let to let him leave make you think he's good and just do that kill him the way that you do i didn't i personally don't like that ending i felt like it was in an effort i actually thought the same thing when you see jeremy renner at the end of his rope uh, I actually thought that the whole point of Ben Affleck being there was the crucial moment of do I jump in and help him and go down with my partner uh, or do I leave and, and make sure I get to this good life. And I feel like t- to the story, all it was essentially trying to be was, well, we need Ben Affleck to go and hide this money for Claire and then give this money to uh, his potential baby mama. I can't even remember her name at this point. Christy Chris. or something. Chris. Okay. Um but yeah, Blake Lively's character. So it just felt like it was in some to some degree to aid the story. I'm not necessarily upset about the ending. I honestly would. I prefer in a weird way. I, I, I guess I would have. I, I would have been okay with it either way. But it seems fitting that he would die. And the main reason is I'm at least glad that 
the note left specifically mentions that you have to pay the price for things you've done mm-hmm. no matter how much you've changed. Right. And well, at least like the story was able to try and pull the reason into why he needed, like essentially why the story had him go. It was okay. You know? See, I actually disagree. I think it ended really well. I, um, Ben Affleck's character would not have gone down that Jeremy Renner's character. They were very different mentally. Does that make sense? Like right. they were in very I different head that. states. So I don't think mm-hmm. there was any chance that Ben Affleck's character would have jumped in to help Jeremy in that situation. Because that's just a death sentence. If you go in to help him, you're going to die. Yeah, I didn't think so either. And it doesn't seem like something he would do. But I could have, yeah, I didn't think so either. But I could have seen the movie going there because, again, the movie just feels like it doesn't really care all that much about what the character is. It will do what it feels like it needs to do to move along and get the story going where it feels like it needs to go. So if they felt like they needed to kill him and they decided to do it there... Even if I feel like it wouldn't have been the right thing to do for the character, I feel like the movie wouldn't have necessarily cared too much about what the character wanted. I guess that's maybe just the way I took it. Like, it was a totally fine movie. It's just because the characters are so thinly explored, you could really bend them in almost any way you want. I liked the ending as far as what it did with him. I I thought it was totally fine to, you know, let him do his best to wrap things up and try to atone for what he had done. And obviously we expect that, you know, he's not going to live happily ever after. Cause it's like, where are you going to go that you're not going to eventually get caught anyway? Um, so yeah, it, it was a very fitting sort of, you know, return to like, I felt like it was dramatically delivered as far as like the movie's perspective, where it's like, it's very convenient that that happens. But, um, you know, it, it makes sense that, you know, just like his friend paid the price for him and spent nine years in jail, he would, uh, you know, get shot down due to his friend going way too far. But then again, that was his choice to go there in the first place. So that really is just a thing he completely earned. So yeah, I don't know. I just felt like the movie was trying to tell a story of someone coming up out of a bad situation, um, and then they just ripped it away. But I, I mean, I get it. I get that you have to do it this way. It's the same in all these movies, but that's also kind of the the point. I love this mm. movie. I think it's perfect in, in, in a lot of ways. So like, this is not something that hurts the movie because I cared about Ben Affleck's character. I, I definitely wanted to see him succeed and get away. I just mm. felt like it also was very fitting the way it did end up yeah, happening. I agree. But I, I see what you're saying. I just think the, the, the biggest question, now that I'm really thinking about it, is wondering if he knew that this was going to happen which is why mm-hmm. he went and killed the florist and why he went back to the car that the florist left after killing the florist like the, yeah. i had that thought at the end where i'm like he knew this was going to happen he wasn't going to get away that's why he gave every, all the money away yeah i, I thought, don't think he knew that, that those well. gangsters were going to be there i think he thought he was going to get in that car and like run away because oh, he had so that yeah, 10 grand so i think that was kind of runaway money yeah Mm-hmm. I think it was best possible scenario, though, right? Like, hey, there's yeah. a high chance that things are going to go bad, but if they don't, I have ten grand to try and make it as long as I can. Yeah, because yeah. ten grand is not runaway money, in my opinion. No, <laughs> well, ten grand I don't is think like so start either. Off like, money. it's not going to last that long. But I think he wanted to make sure. I think that his priorities were the two women. You know, I think that he wanted to leave as much for them as he could. I agree. Yeah, you know, he could but, always, you know do some small robberies on the way to get more money too. I don't yeah. think that's beneath him. But at the same time, at, 
I guess he had gotten away, so if he thought that he was going to make it out, he would have probably gone back for Claire instead of leaving money for her. You know, that's, I guess, the only thing I could say in response to that, but you make valid yeah, points. for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the way that circled back to those, like, gangbangers that killed him, I think that was really well done as well and kind of just started from pretty early in the movie. You know, I think she told him about that what was it their first night out together or second yeah, maybe second. second it was pretty yeah. early on mm-hmm. i think it was and on the so, return you know, back the f- from their second date so yeah and they uh you know the first time i watched it i didn't expect them to be there at all and i thought it was a pretty interesting way to loop that back and have that ending or whatever but i will say i feel like most of the movie at least took into account to try and have anything done within the movie somehow come back and have a point in the movie uh which i do appreciate i feel like plenty of movies uh will introduce stuff just for a moment to never have it really come back around and one of the upsides to Mm -hmm. having those people come back around is that without it that's almost a throwaway part of the movie like the only thing that you gain from that is oh well he went and he went and did something drastic to because he, from what we can tell, likes this girl and doesn't want her to feel out of place. Uh, definitely because he feels remorseful for what he's done to her. So it's his way to try and, uh, you know, pay penance kind of like, hey, I'm going to go through and make sure the rest of her life is as good as it can possibly be. Um, right. But, but I, what I like about it is that that did kind of ground the movie because that stuff won't happen without any real effect. So them coming back and being his ultimate doom, it's, it's almost like it's a little funny in the sense of like all these other incredibly dangerous situations have happened he's managed to get away but the one thing he can't escape mm-hmm. is the thing that you probably earlier in the movie thought was a throwaway not too important scene uh and right you know even yeah. for him to have the dialogue of how's your fucking leg or whatever <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. yeah it was good and they did that in some other spots you know uh the end of his note where he says i'll see you i know i'll see you again on this side or the other, referencing back to the, again, potentially relatively said. throwaway conversation with his dad. It's it's a way for them to take something and make it feel like it's not just a random piece of dialogue. There is some kind of use for it later in the movie. And that is something I do appreciate when movies do, because it feels like mm-hmm. it respects your time more. Like it's going to be like, hey, we did this. We want you to know that we were aware we did this, and it was for a reason in the long run. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And just since we yeah. mentioned it, I do want to talk about that scene where him and Jeremy Renner's character, I'm really bad with their names in this movie. Jim, I think was his name. Or Jim, Jim was Jeremy Renner you know, and Doug was he's a Jim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when they went and uh, beat up those guys, or I guess more than beat up, he shot them in the leg three times in the legs. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I just love that entire scene when he walks in and he's like, hey, I need you to help me and you're not going to ask any questions and we're going to hurt some people. All right, mm-hmm. whose car do we take? <laughs> yeah. I just loved that whole thing. I really liked the part where after um, Doug is kind of getting pissed off and Ren- and um, Gem is just like, you know, you brought me. You should have known what the fuck was going to happen. I like that <laughs> right, he was kind of yeah. just like, dude, you knew what you were getting into. What are you bitching about? <laughs> right. But at the same time. I mean, that's what they went there for. <laughs> that's true. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it struck me as jim not necessarily trusting doug in the sense of it couldn't just be left alone you know when ben affleck comes in says hey i need you to help me uh no questions asked comes in and then as soon as they get there and he has an opportunity he goes what did you do it's like he's not content with not knowing what happened and right. i, I he thought did oh, ask that's very interesting doug so 
He did ask Doug, so technically he went with it, you know. Yeah, that's true, but it's like he because he <laughs> didn't want to he didn't want to step on Doug's toes directly. He's like, "Well, I'm going to see if I can figure out what's going on indirectly so that I understand what I'm doing and the and the choices right. I'm making." Um and of course, he lets that escalate things. But I'm glad we brought that up because this is actually something that was interesting in the movie to me. Uh First of all, Ben Affleck's character seems to be the odd one out for the whole group. Uh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like he, he's sober for the majority of the movie until he has that little moment of relapse. But the movie kind of shows that he's trying in a weird way to bring himself up. And like he might be trying in a way to help the others bring themselves up, uh, but not necessarily too hard. Um, but at the same time, the group seems willing and specifically, of course, Jeremy Renner's character they seem willing to do anything for him, but for the majority of the movie, it kind of seems like he doesn't really reciprocate that because if you really think about mm. it, he knew that getting involved with a girl was going to be a, a point of contention and the whole goal of Jeremy Renner's character. And then the others agreed with him of, Hey, let me do this. So it'll get done. And Ben Affleck was like, no, well, let me do it. So it'll get done. But of course it didn't. And if you really think back about it, that one decision to not go through was more or less the unraveling of everything it's the reason right. mm-hmm. that chris's character blake lively or whatever chris um found out about because he bought her this necklace he finds out about it which kind of throws up throws that plan of course she lets him know about the Fenway park thing it's like everything traces back to one decision which is and ben not Affleck's dealing death with too. her yeah exactly everything comes back to her and i i i appreciate that but it's interesting to me that throughout the majority of the movie he has people willing to do stuff for him, but he's not necessarily willing to pay whatever price is necessary to protect the others. Uh, yeah, I think that Ben Affleck's character, you know, he he talked about that too. Because when him and Jeremy were fighting by that metal fence, I think it was a cemetery, mm-hmm. and he was like, you think you're better than everybody. He's like, I am fucking better than everybody. So I think that he knew that, I th- you know, he was knowingly not helping them. Does that make sense? No, yeah, exactly. And I think it's the I mean the movie does a good job of at least nailing that home with talking about how he actually could have been a great hockey player, but he made one decision like one stupid decision kept him from living a life that probably would have gotten him away from following in his dad's footsteps. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, and it's almost like he's even more regretful that he still ended up following in his dad's footsteps because of that one mistake. Uh, this is just a completely separate thing, but it goes back to how I feel like the movie, even the extended cut. That's one of the interesting things. Is like I can't imagine what this movie did with this character. I don't even know his name. It's actually the worst part. Uh, but the 22-year-old guy who works for uh, Des. Okay, Des. His death was nothing. And if I can reference another movie that I think had the youngest person in a group of four, and they did a lot better job of getting you to know him and caring about him and his death meaning something, even as the youngest. Uh, I'm, I don't know if any of you have ever seen Four Brothers, but it's one of my favorite oh, movies. Oh, yes. Awesome movie. Uh, it's so good. Uh, anyway death in that scene in that movie spoiler alert <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway the, the the handling of that in that movie is so much better and it's like that, that movie does so much more to create a group of four and even though it still focuses on it through a couple like you know realistically it's Mark Wahlberg's viewpoint for the majority of the movie mm-hmm. it still does a good job to show everyone understand their motivations for being in these groups and what their actions are and connect you to these characters so that you care about each one of them almost equally because realistically this movie only at the beginning for the majority of the movie tries to make you care about ben affleck 
and then gives you at least a little bit throwing you a bone and be like, hey, here's uh, Jeremy Renner's character. We're going to throw you a little bit of a bone to make you care about him. But these other two characters ultimately are throwaway characters. You don't care about them. We've never made you care about them. We've not done anything. And uh, that was a little disappointing to me because I think that his death could have been so much more impactful. And it also, I guess, to the movie's credit, maybe, they didn't seem as torn up as you would have thought at his death. Uh, whereas in Four Brothers, you know, the whole family, of course, mourns his death uh, and lets I it don't, irrationally change their decision making. So I just thought that was interesting. It was like his death was cold and it seemed like it, it really didn't matter all that much. Yeah, but I, I thought that was the point. No, I mean, I just thought his death being quick and, you know, just happening the way it did, I thought kind of was the point. You know, it was just, it was supposed to be almost like a jump scare. Oh shit, there are people firing, now we have to fight. I can see how it didn't work because you weren't connected to the character. They weren't, they weren't, it wasn't being used to like propel the characters. It was being used to propel the characters into action, Mm. not emotion. So I think that's kind of why that, I don't take it that way. And that's why they don't build him up at all because all he is is a red shirt. He's one of the people who got their head exploded in Belko experiments. The same thing. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's just a death to push along the narrative. But then why are they a group? I guess that's what bothers me. Because I'll give you credit. Because he scene. works at the company. The fat guy can can steal any car. Jeremy Renner's Doug's friend, and Doug is the planner. It's it's like Michael Franklin and Trevor and GTA. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, but GTA does more to make you care about all three of them and understand why they're forced to. It's also well, GTA hours, is fifty though. hours long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. I'm talking but, about the roles of the character. Fair enough. I just want to say one thing um, before we get too far away from it, and it's too much of a callback. I haven't seen Four Brothers in a very long time, but if I recall, that death was more towards like the middle of the movie, correct? I'd say about two thirds, so like a little more than middle, but yeah, okay. definitely towards the like, in the second act. So with this movie though, everyone died within like ten minutes of his death. So like, where was time to mourn when they're getting shot at by a hundred cops? Does that make sense? No, I think that's, I feel, a, that's a kind of a weird comparison. But and, and I and I get you. But the reason if he I, had died in the second job where they were in the nun masks, I would agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Where yeah. they had time to have a mourning scene. But you're getting shot at by hundred cops. You're not gonna like lay your gun down and cry. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't mean mean like that. But what I mean is like it clearly has no. It's not even like the camera looks at everyone and they take a moment to be like, not even like a a, a long moment, but to kind of wince and be like, ah, you know, like not. They're not even like, ah, look at this wasted youth, you know, or or anything. What's his name? For like a second, but again, like there was a hundred cops, so his character freaked out, but. Yeah, knows who his character got real was. upset and started shooting like crazy. Yeah, but no, I'm yeah. not saying you're completely wrong. I'm just saying that I think it's just a hard comparison because there are different times in movies. Sure. So there was mm-hmm. just less time, mm-hmm. and this this was during a pretty hectic scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the way I took it is I get why uh, within the context of the film, like they can't linger on it, uh, but I think it does ultimately feel like a missed emotional opportunity like maybe if they had found a way to kind of bend the movie logic a little bit and let us linger on it we would have felt it more but i think because of how it's delivered it feels very like as chris phrased it it's a jump scare and it feels weird for a character who's one fourth of the main group we're supposed to care about basically they just amount to being there for a jump scare i guess my biggest argument to that is you're not supposed to care about those two guys. <laughs> like they're just and part of the crew. That's... But the movie is not about the crew. It's about Doug, and you know a, a degree of separation. It's also about Jem. Those the other two right. guys just do the jobs with them. Yeah, 
No. I guess that's fair, but they were at the cookout, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Right. They were, they were at the cookout, cookout yeah. but... They do all and these I activities think that's fair what I think it's fair what Chris said, that it's more about the other two. I think that's right. But I also think mm-hmm. that Brett and Joshua aren't wrong in the sense that they could have made us care more about the other two. Because like, oh, I don't yeah. even remember their names, and I've seen this movie ten times. You exactly. Know what I mean? I, I, and yeah, and I just mean, I'm to just... point out, I think that the scene for the guy who's the driver, his death was handled better because he's away. The guys aren't necessarily even completely sure that he's dead until after all the things have happened and and right. i guess mm-hmm. and to chris's point of it being about the and realistically it's almost entirely about doug uh but yeah. at least jim gets a little bit in there um ben affleck actually does take a second doug when when renner dies to linger mm-hmm. on the moment and that yeah. would have been really i mean nice. he seems like he's in yeah, shock exactly yeah. and that would have been nice for the other people and and Again, I'm not. I get you're right. The way the movie contextually puts it, I think it's probably accurate to do it that way. But I guess what I'm saying, and maybe Josh is agreeing with, unless I'm just reading him wrong, is that the movie could have built the group up more to give mm-hmm. each part mm-hmm. of the movie more of an emotional impact than what was ultimately had, sure. and that I would have liked yeah. it more with that. That that is a fair point. I guess I'll make I'll make two points and let it go. Um, for for one, first you're fucking wrong. <laughs> for one, I would say the movie is not a the it's not a movie where you're trying to learn about the crew. That's kind of why I disagree with you guys on this point. But again, mm. fair, whatever. Um, it's not Fast and the Furious. It's not about the familia. Yeah, but that's also true, and they talk <laughs> about that in the movie. They kind of show that in the movie when um doug is talking to des and he's like you know you'll get seven years if you surrender right now and we get out of here like we'll um, all go to, to to jail for life but you'll get seven years and he looks at him and goes fuck you and the thing that i would say is that if they were really a family in the way that you guys kind of want them to be he wouldn't have said mm-hmm. fuck you which is why sure. jeremy renner went to jail for nine years for doug it's 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 almost like two completely mirror things and you get right. two completely mirrored reactions mm-hmm. when des dies versus when jem dies because he gives a shit about jem and also the driver again i'm sorry i don't remember his name but the driver <laughs> is willing to take the bid that's why he dies because he's willing to give them the he- the heads up to get out of there so mm-hmm. he sacrifices mm-hmm. himself for them which is why there's more of an emotional payoff the des guy was a means to an end yeah and i'm glad you brought up that scene i actually was going to but i wasn't trying to interrupt earlier whenever i was thinking about it that's the one thing that i think that the movie at least did to make the context in which his death happened better because it's right before that that you have that scene where he goes up to ben affleck and it's funny because doug is kind of being like hey if you go out there by yourself and surrender but we all get away you go to jail for seven years we get away you're kind of taking one for the team is the way i took it and then yeah yeah, I, i thought that was the intention so I thought it was really interesting for them to at least do that. I didn't take the fuck you as like a real fuck you. I thought I took it a little bit more of like a yeah, I did too. I'm not gonna do that. Like nah, oh, I definitely fuck, like like yeah. fuck that. You know, like well, I think it's I thought it was both. I, thought, I guess it didn't seem like it was full of animosity. I should say it didn't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm to me it was like offended. Like how how dare you think I would like settle for that? Yeah, you know? like yeah. But I kind of think that's a thing in, in that in that kind of world i feel like if you're a tight-knit crew you would take that rap because realistically you get seven years rather than everyone getting 30 including you 
you know this mm. comes back to our belco experiment <laughs> discussion <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't because i would say no too but yeah. realistically yeah realistically the right move is to go out there but i'm like no fuck you i'm not gonna be the guy who robbed fenway park first of all that's like a cardinal <laughs> sin for me <laughs> but yeah i don't want to disappoint the football fans <laughs> one star movie um i will say uh as much as i i was hoping and uh left unrequited i, I was hoping to be surprised by something john ham's character did but it, it was a very we cast john ham to be a john ham character in this movie kind of thing i did enjoy him in the interrogation especially uh any of the scenes where he gets to start off and have people underestimate him and then just sort of like lean into how much he doesn't give a fuck about other humans (laughs) and how he's just like one track mind about his job like i think he did a good job in those scenes so i appreciated those moments yeah he's a fantastic actor uh it's just i do feel bad that he often plays a very similar role the one scene with him that i wasn't really sure about and i wrote it in my notes where it was right after the very first robbery and he's got um ben affleck's girl uh the bank manager what is her name claire Claire god Claire, yeah. He's got her there, and he almost seems like he thinks she's in on it because they let her go, you know? Mm-hmm, and then yeah. she says she's not or whatever, and then he immediately takes her to the room with, like, all of the the map and all the, you know, all the evidence, basically. Like, that just seemed kind of weird. Like, if you did think that she was in on it, why would you take her there and kind of give let her in on what y'all know and don't know, you know what I mean? Right. The movie kind of addresses it, but not enough. And one of the other things that I feel like the movie says, and this is one of the few times that the movie does not have a scene that wraps back around, uh, is when it's like he comes back after hearing the phone call on the burner cell uh, between Doug and Mm. her. He comes back to being like, oh, she's in on it. So he says to her, you know, I was wrong. You do need a lawyer. And then nothing comes of that ever. (laughs) Well, yeah. That well, one, no, I think she, you're thinking of a different interrogation set up in her apartment. What twice after that, or just the once at the end? But they it was the once at the use end her and stuff. No, they, they used her, he, but they never did he, anything with whether and it's like he 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 thinks that she's in on it, but then suddenly it's like we know you're not in on it, but we're just going to use you because we know he loves you. Bang. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That was how I took it too. Maybe he, also maybe he interrogated her like while other stuff was going on. We just didn't see it. I'm I'm confused at what part you're talking about because what I'm what I'm thinking he finds out that they're together because of the necklace or the phone no, because call. of the phone call. Phone call, yeah, right, right. But the end, it's not like they're good. They're all good because the lawyer is there representing her. It's not like yeah they do anything. Remember they're he, just using John her. Hand, hands the lawyer that go fuck yourself note and says it's for you. <laughs> right, they're they're using her to get him. So that's my fault. I, I was the movie did not cl- make it clear to me, or maybe I was taking a note or something. I was not sure who that was. I thought that was somebody yeah. who has to do with the FBI. If I'm being honest, I thought no, because the lawyer walked out of the house and said, yeah. "You do good. This is the outcome good, we good, wanted." When he exactly, didn't show up, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, mm. I thought that that was no joke because of, I, I contextualized that as he was just involved with the FBI. I took that as John gotcha. Hamm's character in the FBI has got more skin in the game, so he's wanting to see it come to an end. But in terms of the other guy, I took it as, okay, this is an FBI guy who's like, it's probably safer for you that it didn't come here. 
That's that's gotcha, and that's just wrong on my part. So my bad. That's that's the problem. No, you're sometimes good. taking notes. I probably was taking a note. You when missed that a was couple really things clarified. Here there, yeah. mm-hmm. I took it the same way. I took it as, hey, it it didn't turn bloody. It didn't turn violent. Everyone's walking away from this calmly. So that's that's a good thing. But I, I see how it could read either way. So mm-hmm. it's I'm not like hard stance about it or anything. Yeah, I guess it's just maybe I, we me and Blake realized it was a lawyer, and you guys didn't pick that up, which is the movie's fault. Yeah, the movie did not specify at all. No, like they don't it didn't talk introduce about really him is. as a lawyer. Like it's just the that one scene of him walking out saying, "Hey, you did good. This is the outcome you wanted." Where that's where I thought, "Oh, that's her lawyer." Yeah. Oh yeah, see, because the but movie it's easy to see why you wouldn't in too, a scene so. full of FBI agents. So I'm like, "Oh, he's just one of those right. guys." <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I thought he might have been like a detective with the police department or something. Sure. Yeah, I guess I just I personally just saw it as like. Oh, okay, they're they're using her, and that's why they're all there. But obviously, she's a suspect too, so she's being here. Her lawyer's there, and that's just how I took it because he says get a lawyer, and then there's a guy who is dressed slightly differently. Earlier, y'all, uh, I think it was Brett mentioned that um, Ben Affleck definitely had like a different tone than everyone else in the crew throughout the movie. You know, like a different mindset mm-hmm. and way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that we saw that from the very first scene in the movie. I wrote um, that Ben Affleck saw her trip the alarm with her foot and said nothing and then watched Jeremy Renner, like, pummel the uh, other manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think from the beginning, we saw that he was, like, you know, not as harsh or hardcore, I guess, as the others mm-hmm. and not willing to do anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I thought even Jeremy Renner would have just killed her, you know, if he saw that. Yeah, or or at least really or physically just hurt her. Beat her yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought was interesting about that. I, I I do agree with you from the beginning of you know he's beside her and has her opening the safe and when he can clearly see that she's freaking out, he like takes her hand, tells her to calm yeah. down and start again. It's like he's handling it so differently than everyone else. And then when of course he sees her doing that, and what I thought was interesting is that I, I liked it is that you know he's the one who says, "Hey, we got to get out of here." because he's aware that the alarm has been hit but nobody else is mm-hmm. and then when right. somebody finds out that the cops are coming it's like oh crap <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so yeah because he, yeah. he could have easily said hey she just tripped the alarm but instead he says hey we should leave <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean yeah i don't i don't think he was necessarily out of character at, at any point i just uh it's one of those things where it's a little hard to believe that he's part of the group because it feels like he's so different from everyone that but Mm. i don't know i guess him being the mastermind of everything does help with that and it said they did dissonance right no for sure and it said he said at one point at towards the end he told her you know she's like how many banks have you robbed he said two banks six armored cars so there's been a lot of history there with this too where maybe Mm -hmm. he was more like them and he's just now starting to change when the movie starts you know Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And so we're just now seeing, like, after his, like, kind of tonal shift, I guess. You know, one of the things that uh, the movie also didn't really ever capitalize on in any real way uh, is the kind of flashback scenes to him being um, in what looks like some kind of a AA or, you know, drug rehab thing where um, he's hearing the story about the guy who says uh, the my uh, wife's an Eskimo. Exactly. My wife's the Eskimo <laughs> because God didn't send anybody, which I mean, I actually thought that was an interesting little part. Uh, but it's almost like that never really gets touched on too much until randomly we see 
everything in Doug's life kind of spiral out of control, and suddenly he's in a rail, he's in a uh, abandoned train, <laughs> snorting yeah. a line and shooting the gun like fucking crazy. Like it, it was kind of weird the way that they chose to go about that because I thought that was going to play a bigger part too. That it was going to be like, oh, okay, he's like, he's he's for real relapsing, but he really wasn't. I don't know. Right. I, I think part of what contributes my read of him and a lot of this movie since it's all centered around uh doug is just like it's ben affleck he's a very well off you know dude who's like i mean how old is he? he's like 40 ish in this movie but i mean there's there's nothing about him that looks like he's having a hard life or having a hard time right now he looks like a very successful bachelor so as far as like me buying a dude who looks like this in this whole situation it's a little bit difficult to like I, I don't know. I, I guess be like, what yeah, you? okay. Suspension of disbelief. What's up? <laughs> We're seeing a very different Ben Affleck. Yeah, I don't understand what you mean by that at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I don't feel like I'm watching a character in, like, I don't feel like I'm watching the character that would believably do those things. I feel like I'm watching, uh, you know, a, a, a fit, you know, conventionally attractive actor playing a character, and I'm intended to believe that this character is doing those things, but at no point am I like, yeah, I totally see them doing that. So, like, the train scene feels like, okay, like, I, honestly, I think the whole movie, I kind of felt that way. I never felt like, okay, I'm watching, like, someone really struggle here. I felt like, I'm watching Ben Affleck try to be someone struggling here, or, like, I'm watching Ben Affleck try to be someone who's, like, you know, romantically invested in this girl and is struggling with his life. Like I never felt like, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was representing the kind of character that I would believe just, he didn't, he doesn't look like a guy who's struggling at any point. And what's I interesting what I'm trying is to say. I feel like he was the only huh. character that had that problem. And I think I, I took that down to Affleck's performance, if I'm being honest. Uh, but also mm. maybe just his casting, which of, of course he's a director. Uh, so it makes yeah. sense that, you know, oftentimes directors will star in their own movies. Um, but I felt the same way. I felt like I could believe the girl being lured into this relationship and finding comfort in it. And definitely after something mm-hmm. dramatic like the bank accident, I thought Jeremy Renner's character was actually really well done. And I believed every step yeah. of the way what he was doing. But I never had that same full-on connection in believing the character and forgetting that it was an actor with Ben Affleck, much, mm-hmm. much like Josh did. And certain scenes, it's just like, well, okay, he just did that because it was in a script. And, and I, I think don't agree with any of that, but okay. <laughs> ben Affleck's character, you know, you said you're not seeing him struggle or whatever. I think that's because he's past his struggle point in life. Yeah. And you see that with Chris. Mm. You can see, you know, the two like the two vastly different sex scenes I think is really like pivotal in showing his previous life and the life he's trying to lead now. You know, sure. one is a very obviously intoxicated woman kind of forcing her way into his house. I mean, she has a key, so it's not technically forcing, but you know what I mean? He's not answering the door mm-hmm. and then forcing herself yeah. onto him. And then the next one is a very intimate, like passionate sex scene. You know what I mean? And I think that's showing right, right there is that he's a very different person than he used to be. I think this mm-hmm. movie is just taking place after that shift in his character. Does that make sense? But not completely. That's totally fair. I mean, I, I do. I, I agree with you to some extent, but at the same time, if we're supposed to be believing and rooting for him to escape this lifestyle at the end of this all, then clearly he's not free mm-hmm. of the struggle completely. I mean, that's, and I guess that's right. I, yeah. I'm on Josh's side of, I'd never quite bought the struggle that he's still supposed to be in. Like if this movie took place and there was no struggle and there was no attempt to be free and it was like, hey, here he is, this already great man who's passed all this, I'd, I'd agree with you a little bit more. Uh, and I don't think it's severe, severe, but I just feel like 
and I don't, I haven't watched enough Ben Affleck stuff. So genuinely speaking, I don't know if this is something that's going to be something I feel every time I watch Ben Affleck, or if this was just the way he starred in the character that he wrote. Well, he was a writer mm-hmm. too. He was one of, I think the credit said there was three writers and he was one of them. Uh, so he wrote, directed, and starred in it. But before um, before I get away from that, and if, unless anybody wants to, or before I get away from my, my, something in my mind, it wasn't in my notes, but I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, the two sex scenes. One of the things in the second sex scene that was a really interesting shot, and I kind of liked it, while also feeling like I didn't quite click with what it was trying to do, uh, was with the sex mm. scene with the girl uh, in the middle of sex. It cuts to her being at the beach and taking the thing off, and her toes being in the water. I was like, "Oh, that's a weird mm-hmm. shift," and it was kind of pretty and interesting, but it was during a sensual scene, so I was trying to understand what it was trying to connect back into. Does anybody right. have any kind of read on that? I just assumed I that it was her knew. being like Wait, at go ahead. peace, like it, like this was, you know, it's the first time maybe she's felt at peace, and that's like her safe space in her mind. Does that make sense? Mm. Or maybe, but it's like honestly, the same. I have no idea. That's just my interpretation because honestly, I don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> my whole read, and I, I don't mean this as an incendiary thing. My whole read is that she just wasn't a very deep character. Uh, like I, I wanted to see more in that character. I wanted to see more depth and just like, I, I felt like the the way she moves through the movie and the way the movie views her, I felt like was very, I don't know. It, things happen to her and it feels like it, it's like this, like a, it's, it's like a sleeping beauty syndrome almost, or what am I thinking of? Beauty and the beast. Uh, it, it's like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing where it feels like, Oh, she's traumatized. So she's, like got her guard down and normally I would want to see a character stand up for themselves more and be more like uh, suspicious of a a random dude who's just like hey I just met you at the laundromat if you asked me to point to my little laundry I couldn't but uh, I want to buy you a drink like I I didn't feel like there was a connection there to begin with so it felt like the movie wants this thing to happen I didn't feel like Mm -hmm oh, there's real chemistry making this a believable first interaction. But, Once they were together, it felt better, but yeah, the there were a lot of times where it felt like... was really weird. Yeah. Uh, I thought the exact same thing when they were leaving. I was like, is she not like, why the hell was he here if he's leaving with no laundry? <laughs> like, yeah, would that actually, not be yeah. the first thing as much to be as, like, he's following me? <laughs> yeah, as much as I love this movie, that scene, I don't like that scene at all either. Which, like, I, I don't mean to gang up on a specific thing that can easily be just hand-waved as like, eh, it's a movie, you don't have to have an answer for everything. But uh, with that her whole character specifically, that was, I, I was disappointed when that reveal finally came that it was news to her that uh, Doug was the robber and the person who caused all this trauma in her life and that it was like a, like, a, of course, that character has every reason to be, like, under a fuckload of stress and, like, I'm not judging the character for breaking down, but I felt like, I was hoping this character would have more control over the situation or at least be like less kind of dragged by the hand through the situation. If you know what I mean? I don't know. I, um, I, I really liked her character. I don't, I mean, I like I said earlier, I don't think any of these characters are like extremely well-written. Like none of these characters hmm. are going to go down in history as like the best characters in movies or anything, but I didn't have yeah. any major issues with any of them either. Unless anyone else has anything to praise or, I guess, complain about the story or plot or anything, do you all want to move on to scenes that we enjoyed or Uh, did not enjoy? One thing that I don't know if anybody else caught, but it really struck me as odd, Uh, and I don't know if it was... 
I, again, with it being the extended cut, it doesn't. It, there's no way that it was stuff that was cut around it that would have contextualized it better. Uh, but does anybody notice that when Claire and Doug were together uh, and they were talking about his parents? And she's like, what happened mm-hmm. to your parents? And he's like, oh, my dad, or do your parents still live in uh, Charleston? And he's like, oh, no, my dad lives in the suburbs and my mom is, uh, and my mom gone, whatever. And then like 10 minutes later, they're back again on a separate day. And she's like, so do your parents still live in Charleston? Hmm. I didn't notice that. I don't I think I noticed that. that at all, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. <laughs> it, it blew my mind because I was like, was that just a weird script error or editing error where they shot it different ways and somehow mm, edited it accidentally in? included one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That's, really weird. That's funny, though. So that was just a weird hmm. notice because I was like, "Was is there a reason that actually somewhat played into my thing with Josh as well?" Of like, what if she's kind of like doing this on purpose to kind of like see what she can pull out of him and see if his story will change if he asked him twice, see if he'll even yeah. realize yeah. that she asked him twice. But the movie never did anything with it, so I'm like, I just feel like this is probably <laughs> an error. But I, I think that's part of why I was so invested in the idea that she did know what was going on because a lot of her questions that were like, we saw that they were questions that made Doug uncomfortable and they made him reflect on things that he wasn't proud to have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those questions seemed just the way they were worded. They were so specific. I was like, how would she know to ask that if it was truly just an innocent, like it just happened to come out. Like that's what you're talking to your date about. Like it just seemed a little like it would be really surprising if that was genuinely like a completely wild guess, you know? Yeah. And even then it's like not always just the question she was asking, but even some of the statements that she made, uh, I thought it was really funny mm-hmm. that she's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'd recognize their voice if I heard them again. And then Ben Affleck's right. like, yeah. oh, it's not so easy. But he didn't do anything <laughs> to change his voice during the robbery. So uh-huh. that's one of those cognitive yeah. dissonance things as well, too. It's like, well, how would she not recognize this? And I, mm-hmm. even the scene when Jim sits down at the table and I'm like, if I was sitting beside him right now, I could see that he had a tattoo on his neck and I would be, even if I couldn't clearly see what the tattoo was, I'd become suspicious of like, is that the guy? Maybe yeah. I could, tr- I should try and see if I could see that. Like, I kept hoping that she was going to do something like notice that he had a tattoo in his neck, try and find a way to see it uh, while Ben Affleck is mm-hmm. obviously trying to find a way to hide it. And then that was going to be like, yeah. I, I thought that scene was going to play out in a much more fun manner than it did. Well, when Ben Affleck I, threw I himself so across the table and like slammed his hand on the back of his neck, I thought she would have been like, "What's going on? Are you all right? Did exactly. you fall?" <laughs> it's like she lets everything just go by. Like even the very like you know one of the first questions she asked whenever they're out and about is like, "What do you do for work?" And how long it takes Ben Affleck's characters to answer that, and how weirdly he answers it. I've been like, "How is she mm. not suspicious of this man at all?" <laughs> Well, technically, that yeah. was his real job, too, though. So he wasn't oh, it, lying about it, that. It, it was, but again, I took it, and I think that this is probably what the movie was trying to do uh, now that I'm done with it. I thought she was trying to prod to see what he would say, uh, but I think what the movie was trying to do with it was to have her ask him a question that he'd have to uncomfortably think in the back <clears> of his head of, does she know? Is she asking me this because she knows that I was the one who robbed? So if she yeah. asked me this question, it sets me up to, how do I answer? And it's also the movie's way of mm-hmm. telling you that that's his job because I didn't know for sure if that was his job until they come to get him for the interrogation. Same. <laughs> you know? Yeah, when they arrest yeah, him at the job, yeah. I, I thought he made it up. His delivery made me feel like he came up with that on the spot and didn't have an mm-hmm. answer. 
See, that's the funny thing is I didn't take it that way at all. I took it as someone who, because I think, and I think this is why I had a problem with what you guys were saying before about Ben Affleck, is I think Ben Affleck is the perfect example of the jock bro you knew in high school who didn't do shit, and that's why he Mm -hmm. doesn't fit for you guys, because he's not supposed to fit. Guys like him are supposed to be successful. That's exactly what you're saying, right? Is that you couldn't buy Ben Affleck because you don't see him as someone who could be downtrodden. Whereas his whole character is that he's not someone who should have been downtrodden by appearance at at the very least. But the events of his life didn't come out the way that they wanted to. Which is also, which going back to this scene in particular, I just take it as he's embarrassed that he's doing what he's doing. Because it's not a glamorous job you know bank manager oh i break rocks you know and mm-hmm. i think he he's just embarrassed because he was supposed to be a hockey player and he was a hockey right. player he blew it doing drugs and fighting with his teammates yeah so and no, i, I think and i think that was the thing for me uh go no, ahead Brett. go ahead that was all i had to say i think that was the thing for me i i know the movie believed that he was meant for greater things but i didn't see anything in him specifically i was always being told by him and by the movie that he was supposed to be doing better but i never got that sense from his performance but you weren't supposed to because he the man was never capable of doing better because of what happened to him as a as a child and the, the life that he led his father was a criminal his mother was a drug addict he didn't know but his mother ran off on them according to him and then he finds out later she's a drug addict so the movie is not trying i don't think the movie's trying to sell you on ben affleck being downtrodden if anything is trying to sell you on you know people being raised by their surroundings more than anything else where like if ben affleck lived in my town ben affleck is an nhl player but you know ben mm-hmm. affleck goes over the hill over avon mountain where i live to to hartford and he's doing exactly what he's doing, which is the point. They're so close to Boston. They're so close to the f- f- cathedral of uh, of Boston, Fenway Park. But mm-hmm. they're they're two big gang ba- bangers and drug dealers because of the circumstances of their environment. And I think the way the sure. movie tries to sell you on that fact is like w- we talk about Doug. Like he could have been a hockey player. You're missing the mm-hmm. fact that he was a hockey player. He should mm-hmm. have been in the NHL. The teams wanted him, but he couldn't control himself as a man. So he lost that opportunity, which is, again, goes back to my point of the movie is trying to explain. It, it's trying to look at this as like, think of Notorious almost. That's the best thing I can come up with, where the movie is about mm-hmm. Biggie Smalls, but it's about his come up and breaking out of the life and becoming mm-hmm. this big character. And he, he dies at the end too, but... Wait, what? Spoilers, 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 spoilers for real life. In case <laughs> you haven't Smalls seen, ni- <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie 1996, um, <laughs> I thought he was chilling on an island with Tupac. <laughs> I mean, Tupac is alive, but I don't know. I, I know I'm going off on kind of a rant here, well, but like, I should say, no, I appreciate hearing. I don't hearing think it. that Josh nor myself viewed it that we're not missing that he was a hockey player i mean i even brought up that of course he's where he's at because of a mistake and his mistake was not being able to control himself from the Mm -hmm. drugs and everything and while i didn't clarify then i do give the movie a little bit of credit that i actually did like the the overall thematic uh arc of this is essentially what happens when you because the whole movie frames itself in this right Uh, the very beginning of the movie opens up charlestown 
all the bank robbers and stuff, uh, uh, most of them in this area come out of this little thing. And if you're from there, there's a high chance that you're going to be involved with armored trucks. The movie references that multiple times with the FBI saying, 90% of bank robbers and everything are from this little area, so we know what to isolate. Um, the movie did mm-hmm. a good job of, of selling the idea that part of the reason that they all are where they are in life is because of the fact that they were molded by their surroundings and that all they've ever known was this. Ben Affleck even talks about it uh, whenever he's talking about mm-hmm. everybody saw the, the guys who had lots of money and pretty girls and were hardcore and that all the little kids at the ice cream shop saw them and wanted to be like them. So that's how you get this loop of the only role models they had were role models of people doing things that would not be the conventional way to be successful. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. the movie does do a good job of that, and I like that thematic arc, but I don't think it necessarily takes away from the fact that Ben Affleck's character is underdeveloped and the performance, as far as I can tell it, is a little stilted. Uh, And that's just opinion, I mean, at that point. No, uh, that I agree with. I just kind of took umbrage with the Ben Affleck doesn't look like he should be playing this character thing. I thought that was a really weird point to make. <laughs> well, I think it's it's something that happens in movies often, right? And I don't think they did enough in makeup. They 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 attempted clearly with you could see a lot of the things they tried to do, uh, but it still comes down to be fifth. This is a man we're supposed to believe was very heavily off on drugs, and yet he's got perfectly white teeth with no real problems in them. He's got, it's like they did nothing to try and show you a character. Prescription pills aren't going to fuck your teeth up, though. They they didn't say he was addicted to meth. He was addicted to oxy. True. I know a lot of white-collar oxy guys, and you wouldn't know. That is true, and that's fair. And Actually, I will say right now, my ignorance and not having done any kind of drugs actually means that I don't know too much about the way that drugs (laughs) affect your body. But I guess it still goes to the point of he didn't look like he's anybody who had overcome hard uh, it was weird i don't know how to describe it it's like he looked like he had never had hardship to be overcoming he in one way but at the same time it's like the performance was that the performance was so flat that i couldn't believe that he was somebody who was ever great either so it was like a problem on both sides i didn't believe that he was ever capable of doing great things even though the movie tells me he was a hockey player um but mm-hmm. at the same time, he looks like he's too well off to have been somebody who just had a lot of struggle at the same time. So it's like this weird clashing of two different things that just didn't quite settle right for him as a character and as I an just, actor and performance. Yeah, I just disagree with that as well. Like ju- basing his, judging him his character based on the way he looks or whatever. Like, I mean, there are people in all walks of life that have that look all kinds of different ways. Sure, <laughs> I don't, one, one I don't really understand that. that. One of the things I mean, if you're just said, saying, like, "Hey, this looks like Ben Affleck, and he's famous," so I can't under <laughs> I can't take him seriously. That's one thing. Like, yeah. all I can see is Ben Affleck. Like, I get there are movies where I get I get that feeling too of like that's Leo Denar- that's Leonardo DiCaprio, and I can't see him in this movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, just no, an example. Mm-hmm. There's not really an example like that. But but one of the things you, know you mentioned saying, like, that mm-hmm. I'll give credit to, and of course she's still in it. One of the things you mentioned that kind of actually sells your point and helps actually move away from mine in a way it it helps you and your side of the argument is that blake lively's character is still doing these things and she's supposed to be like the analog to him she's like the reference point to his past of that that lifestyle but she looks like Mm -hmm. someone who's gone through a lot of hardship and of course she still is going through hardship but she's i guess that that's kind of what i was looking for like even like a hint that he at one point in time was like that and the only thing we ever got was a weird somewhat out of context uh i guess he snorted oxy I, I, is that what that was a pill of oxy that he crushed up and snorted 
So I, again, I don't know how these things. I was like, I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> when you inject the marijuana, <laughs> he does that, and then he just shoots a gun all crazy. And that's the only real point of weirdness that we saw throughout the whole movie. Of like, oh, this was apparently what he was supposed to have been like before the movie started. But here it is in an isolated mm-hmm. scene, and you never see it again. It's not even like his behavior is necessarily more erratic as the movie continues to go on. He's almost the same as he's always been. We just get to see him go out on some weird binge of snorting the shit Mm -hmm. up and then shooting a bunch of bullets. And then, bam, next day, he's pretty much the same Ben Affleck slash Doug that we've been seeing this whole movie. I guess that's what it is for me. Sure. Blake Lively had more emotion across the spectrum as you could see when she was on something and when she was not on something. And of course he's, Mm -hmm. he's on something long enough to shoot a gun and then bam, the camera snaps back and he's back to normal old guy. You know, growing up, you know, my father, he had some drug issues and such. And so Mm -hmm. seeing people that he hung out with, like, I mean, there were people that, have those issues that look a lot like Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Not yeah. that you would confuse the I, two. They're not twins, but you know, that look the same kind of person. I just don't think that that's saying the way he looks, saying that he, he doesn't look like he went through hardship. Like, I mean, I don't, I just don't understand that. I guess I should say this. Yeah, I, it's I less about physical, it's hard to describe really. It's, it's less about physical ex- ex- appearance and more about the way like he carries himself. It, does that make sense? It's like the way he presents himself as he presents yeah, himself I, who has not. And I, I know that we kind of that's said more it fair in a than, way that pulls the way from he physical looks. appearance. But, I mean, the physical appearance is just it's like icing on the cake. To He presents himself in a way where I can't believe that he's gone through hardship. But then at the same time, his actual acting and performance makes me think he wasn't capable of doing anything great either, even though the movie is telling you that he was. If I could just real quick. like. Sure. I, for for me, the appearance thing isn't like it's not based on whether or not someone is like conventionally attractive or like what their like genes are. For me, with Doug specifically, a lot of it had to do with like age. Age affects you differently depending on the kind of life you live, and not just like you know shit that's out of your control, but like just all of it. Like how it it, it takes a toll on a person. You can kind of see that in them and. uh Maybe I haven't quite found the best way to like articulate that, but I feel like it's just if someone has spent decades in the streets with violent crime as their only way to make a living, I feel like you can just see the toll that that has taken on them. And I I'd never got that impression. I always felt like Ben Affleck was a very clean cut. Like he could have been in Christian Bale's place in American Psycho, and I would have been like, yeah, sure, he fits in on Wall Street. Like right, but he's been I, I think clean it's just like the the signs how, of like long now. W- yeah, I guess the the biggest issue I have with that is like, I, I don't know. Like, I know people who live lives like this, and you wouldn't know it. And like, that's why I feel like it's so weird that you guys are saying this stuff because it, like, you wouldn't know if, you know, if, if you met some people uh, in close relation to me, you wouldn't know that they were gangsters. You wouldn't know that they were drug mm-hmm. addicts. But yeah, and I mean, I guess that's know. a unique experience to that area, maybe because everyone who I know who's in orbit of that lifestyle, like it's just, and this isn't meant to be like a judging book by its cover kind of thing. It's just like a, I, I feel like anyone I know who's struggled through that kind of shit, like you, you can see that they've been through some shit, and that's not at all intended as a judgment or anything. It's just like a, there's like a, 
I don't know. It, it's like a weathering that it does to you as a person. I feel. Like. I agree with. I think and it I just too didn't get depends. That mm-hmm. I think it too depends on what kind of drugs you're talking about that someone is addicted to, because well, clearly, that, yeah. that also has a very different effect on the way someone looks. But outside, but of also that, I think this speaks. Hold on, real quick. I th- yeah. I also think this speaks to how big America is and the fact that we all live in very different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Sure. Does that make sense? So yeah, that's I what think Josh, that could also have a part of it. So. Yeah, Josh mentioned, you know, experience to your local, you know, region. So a regional yeah, yeah. experience on that. I'm much like Josh. Everyone I know, and I know plenty of people who, uh, who, <laughs> of course, do that stuff. And you can see it in them. And it's not, it's hard to describe. It's like, like, like he even said, it's hard to articulate completely. But it's not like there's one key thing you can focus in on or even that they were drug addicts. It's just knowing that if their main way of surviving through life realistically has been just you know a life of crime and and hardship that really comes with that on top of the drugs you see that weathering them and you see that in the way that they sometimes present themselves sometimes it can take a physical manifestation but you it's almost like you get an aura about someone that's like oh you can tell they've lived through something and at least here I see that. And everybody I know who has lived through stuff, you can easily see it in them. I don't know anyone here who is that perfect example of a, oh, well, they're really, they do a lot of crazy messed up stuff, but you never know it. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm I with think, Chris on this one. For sure. I think the biggest point is that you would never know it. You know what I mean? I'm right. not trying to say that yeah. no, fair, like in an obnoxious fair. way, but you wouldn't know. And but I, I'm, like you mentioned, like you know some people and I know some people, but everyone right. I know who's done it, even if they're not yeah, doing no, it now, I, you can clearly see it on them. So, of course, there may be examples that of people that I don't know who are clearly doing it, and I don't know any of the wiser. Uh, but I've yet to see someone who I found out that that's what it was, and uh, I know plenty of people. I've yet to see someone where I find out that they've had that kind of life, and you don't see it in them in some way. You know what I mean? Not where I was like, oh God, I would have never guessed. But I want to. And uh, shouldn't harm. I'm gonna say one more thing. Yeah, I'm gonna say one more thing, and then y'all can respond or say what you need, and then we'll be done with it. But I think that there's again, like I said a minute ago, I think there's a big difference in like living certain lives of crime and other lives of crime. I think smoking meth and breaking into cars would have weathered you in a very different way than taking oxy and robbing banks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Sure, sure. So, Joshua, I, I know you. I can't to say I know say any pro bank robbers. <laughs> I don't know any either. I'm just saying that I assume that most of them don't look like meth heads. At least not the ones that get I, away with it. I don't think I should talk about it anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think we just clearly have different life experience that paint the way we view this, and that's interesting. I mean, it's good to learn that, like Blake said, we all live in such different areas that, in a weird way, we're kind of learning, it, if nothing else, at least the way that our local regions are, or maybe sure. yeah. uh, uh, us, as us as a people and what we do and don't pick up in people. That may be the other thing. But uh, you know what? Nobody's talked about yet. The fact that mm. Batman and Hawkeye sure have come from very shady pasts. <laughs> <laughs> Who says the criminal justice reform system can't work? <laughs> Just give someone the a billion dollars and they'll go from Robin Banks to All you have to do is kill Batman. them, reincarnate them, and then you get, you know. <laughs> also a Professor Wells. <laughs> So to kind of move on from the conversation that we've been having, is there any particular scenes that stand out to you in a positive or negative way, Joshua, that you'd want to talk about? 
Yeah, uh, this one's kind of both because it, it just struck me as a totally different tone and I wasn't expecting it. When he goes into that floral shop at the end and he and that guy have the shootout at like point blank range, I, I wasn't sure what was happening because it felt like surely these guys are both like lighting each other up that, and it's like somehow yeah. Ben Affleck barely gets a scratch. That was actually very funny how they were both <laughs> just standing there kind totally of swaying missing. and firing weapons. Like the whole time, yeah. these dudes are like Matrix, like Matrix dodging. Like you see Ben Affleck <laughs> moving his body. And yeah, <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I was like, really not expecting that. Weird. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah, that's a funny scene. <laughs> what struck me weird about that scene was that I was unsure if the florist had been shot at all until suddenly he's on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's like five bullet holes in this man. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. 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 That's a weird one. That and his death, where it was like, oh, I've been shot. <laughs> yeah, his but. death was weird, too. <laughs> uh, no, but we, we should bring up the fact of right there, one of the only parts of the movie that I truly can think of that would be truly memorable to me is when he leans down. And again, this is the movie cycling back to itself. Earlier in the film, he says, uh, I'll clip your nuts like I clipped your dad's or whatever. And then, of course, he chooses this moment to put the gun to his nuts and go, uh, I'll, you know, <laughs> remember who clipped your nuts or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Anything else that stood yeah. out to you, Joshua? And then we'll move on to someone else. Uh, <laughs> uh, Doug at the end getting shot and going like, how's your fucking leg or whatever yeah. it was. It just felt like such a like, we're taking a departure and it, it's like a, it felt like an old school like gangster shootout death. And it, in a fitting way, like I, I liked it. It felt lovingly done. It was also just like a little goofy. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree with that 100%. So yeah, just talk, since we're on the death scene, my biggest thing is I kept waiting for the him to like get up because but he had a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have that like really weird scene where the guy gets shot or the fat guy gets shot, and they're like, "He's good. They got the vest." So like at mm-hmm. the end of the movie, I'm like, "Okay, they're bringing in the vests," and then they just uh-huh. they just don't. He's just dead. Maybe when like, he changed clothes, been... he took it off for some reason. I wouldn't have taken it off, but maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just assuming he got shot so many times, the vest doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I just yeah. kept waiting for it to do that. <laughs> I liked the line that he said, too, just like Josh did, because of the way, to me, that it felt like uh, the way the movie ended up going through that last uh, kind of little monologue from the letter is it? I took it as like, he knew he had that letter. He knew he put it in. He already referenced that he might be dying and that he'd see her again, either here, you know, or uh, on the other side, worst case scenario. So to me, it was like him being like, he knows it's about to go down, that he's tried to just reason and say the right thing. He knows it's not going to get any farther. And he's, he's kind of, like he mentioned in the letter, he's paying the price for what he's done, regardless of how much he's changed. So I just love that it's almost like a, it's going to happen anyway. Might as well get one last fucking jab in. Yeah, Chris, why don't you go ahead and talk about some of your favorite scenes or least favorite? Well, honestly, it's not my favorite scene because of what it is, because I want to talk about the Blake Lively sex scene for a second. And it's only because I, what I thought was really interesting was how they made it very clear that she was very much her, her how important her outside appearance was to her because if you watch that scene she comes in and she's dressed all hot her tits are out or whatever but then she pulls her dress up and she's wearing like gra- granny panties right 
And but like I was watching the scene, I was kind of like, okay, so she's just very focused on what her outside is showing people. Maybe that's what helps her get the drugs, or maybe that's what helps her get drinks, whatever it is. But I just thought that was very interesting, where it like kind of showed like what her character was dealing with. It gave her like very subtle context, and I thought like that's something that I just I noticed it. I was like, oh wow, that's an interesting yeah, detail. Or maybe sure. I was just looking at her ass. I don't know which one it was, <laughs> but maybe a mixture of I, both. I, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a mixture of both, but <laughs> call you man, stand call out to you, man. I mean, um, we kind of went through the biggest ones. My favorite scene is obviously the uh, when the the cop looking away when they're just all in the granny suits. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but I also really like the Fenway robbery. I just like that scene because I'm watching that. I'm like, I've been yeah. there. I've seen that. Yeah. And then there was other stuff where like the back stuff. Where I'm like. That's cool. I've never seen that part of Fenway yeah. Park, you know, outside of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's like legit what it looks like in there, or if they wouldn't allow them to like you know recreate it fully or whatever. Well, I don't. I don't think they recreated it. I'm pretty sure it was shot there. The whole thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, know if they would allow them to like show the layout down there or whatever. I don't know. No, but, they definitely um, do. That's like uh, Fever Pitch was all filmed in Fenway too. Oh, okay. Like during the Red Sox World Series, that was really cool. It's a good movie. Hmm. I want a heist movie that takes place at Disney World, they have to including like the underground What if that tunnels. movie is about stealing Disney's frozen head? I would watch that. <laughs> I would love National that. Treasure 3 Ooh. is about stealing his head. Yes. <laughs> That's a free idea, whoever publishes that. Oh, yeah. You know what I would love <laughs> is that if that happened from people, you know how there's like the, and I, I to some part i agree and we even mentioned it in the mary poppins episode of uh the people who are like disney is not what it once was what if it was like some super fanatic who's like we're gonna go back and get disney's frozen head so that we can bring back his brilliant mind and set disney back on course (laughs) (laughs) yeah the uh cop looking away from them and also the um the kid staring at him with the gun and the nun mask on i thought those two scenes were probably like the two best scenes Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um what about you brett what are some of your favorite or uh just something that stood yeah. out to you so one of the things i've yet to say but i guess technically it was summed up in my fact of this movie just being a perfectly fine across the board movie like i don't have any major problem with the movie uh but one of the things uh that i guess i've been a little spoiled on because of what we've been watching there was really no mm. cinematography to me that just stood out as really great cinematography. I agree with that. And that was kind of the biggest bummer. I kept being like, you know, is there going to be one shot that you just like, I remember that shot just because of how beautifully done it was. Like how can Belko experiment and have such a crazy mm. shot with a little, you know, the, the, the film going on in the projector screen lighting up. Yeah. The yeah. As it goes on. Like what a cool, what a really cool memorable scene that I'll probably never forget. And mm-hmm. I feel like this movie did not have a single thing from a pure cinematography standpoint that yeah. stood out. And that, that bummed me. Uh, I didn't know if anybody else was aware what, I, I know that he does some stuff. Was this one of Ben Affleck's first directed movies, or does, I think it was his first? So I, I'll give him a little bit of a pass because of that. But I, I'm a little disappointed in his director, hmm. like his directorial. Like none of it's shot poorly; it's all fine. Every every single scene is readable and perfectly fine. Gets it through. I just wish that something would have stood out a little bit more. Uh, but going to scenes. Uh, mm-hmm that i thought were funny let's say are just interesting um that i really liked 
I thought that the whole I, I it's weird because I just like these. It's part of what I loved about Sly Cooper too. Of hey, we're gonna have a little FBI section where we take pictures of them at the barbecue. We're gonna be like, hey, <laughs> here's this man. He's the leader of the gang and does this. Here's this man, fat guy who steals car. Here's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I know that's weird, but I just enjoy those in almost like an ironic sense. It's kind of like how you get to a point where you kind of enjoy, I think we talked about it in, uh, I'm trying to remember what movie it was. Yeah. I think it was Scarface, yeah. Of You almost, I, I ironically like uh, scenes that are like, um, what do they call them, a montage scene, where it's like, it's kind of like that. It's because of that, and that's essentially what that is. It's like, it's a montage of all the bad guys mm-hmm. that we're framing through this super FBI thing. So I know that's not something crazy. Um then there's two other ones that were just more of a I liked how kind of tongue in cheek they were to themselves uh, so there's the one where Jeremy Renner's character uh, very close to the beginning of the movie after the bank robbery says uh, uh, now it's time for the fun part and immediately cuts to a ass directly in his face just yeah. like not even an <laughs> yeah. inch from his face uh, I just thought that was really funny and uh, then another one Mm-hmm. was whenever Ben Affleck uh, it was a very similar situation whenever Ben Affleck was in the uh, laundromat and was saying uh, what's the worst that could happen you know go out, go, go out for a drink with me what's the worst that could happen followed by that chaotic scene that has nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. with them but it was just a really fun choice of pacing of like hey we're gonna suddenly clip to the FBI breaking in to this guy's house to get some little tidbit of information mm-hmm. right after our character says what's the worst that can happen yeah like it's almost like it was trying to gaslight you'd be like oh god <laughs> for like a split second what happened did did somebody shoot somebody <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. just a little interesting tidbit here the cinematographer for this movie yeah I felt that also did quite a few movies he did um nightcrawler there will be blood punch drunk love magnolia boogie nights velvet buzzsaw mm. now that is two crazy. of the newer mission impossible movies because Velvet Buzzsaw is clearly a really interesting movie with tons of great cinematography, oh, wow. and so is Nightcrawler. Yeah, I almost find really it hard shot. to believe because there's so many cool standout scenes in Nightcrawler. Hmm. I, I will say, uh, cinematography-wise, uh, two quick things that stood out to me. One was the interrogation scene with uh, John Hamm. Just the lighting in that room and the way he was like filling the screen, kind of imposingly. Like it, it was a simple shot, but I, mm. I thought it yeah, looked it really cool and just it was very convincing and did a great job. Um, and, and while it is more the strength of the scene than necessarily the cinematography, I think yeah. that shot with the nuns uh, mm. and like the kids seeing them as yeah. they drive by, I thought that was also really well shot. Like it, it looked mm. great in addition to being like yeah, I don't iconic. I, it's like I the shot from the movie that everyone that recognizes. It, it wasn't like a bad bad poorly shot movie but it was it wasn't like there was no scene that stood out like whoa that's just beautiful beautiful shot or anything like that but um i don't also don't think that's kind of what it was going for you know yeah Yeah, sure but i don't think that necessarily there's plenty of movies that end up with one of those scenes even though it's not necessarily necessarily going for it yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that none of us really talked about, and I mean, I just, it's one of the only reasons I really love bank robbery movies and these kind of action movies like this. Um, the intro, the whole beginning is so rife mm. with little detail 
that I love that. One of the things I love about heist movies is that like you see the characters going through and being like, hey, here's this guy. At this specific time, he's going to do this. We know exactly what time the safe is already set up for. We know right. what to tell her to do. We know what to look for. We've already gone through and separated all the money that mm-hmm. had the uh, the tracers and the little blow-up things on them so that we... It's like I love how much little detail is in those things. Uh, and it's in a very different vein, but it's like the beginning of Dark Knight which is very similar and like you know there's a bank robbery going on which that one's way more chaos filled but there's something mm. about opening with something as hot as that but also with as, such attention to detail yeah it's just cool i like that because it makes the scenes feel like really it, it's it's they, they should be tense because of what's going on but they're really not because everything's operating so smoothly because everybody knows exactly what's going on and they're putting such little details in there that you can kind of believe that it's going as smoothly as it is until it's suddenly not yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. The one scene I wanted to talk about yeah. that we haven't really mentioned yet is the, um, I think we talked about it once, the scene where Jeremy Renner's character, you know, the shootout at the end where he dies. Mm-hmm. I just um, I just love that entire thing from John Hamm's character mm-hmm. following him and like calling out to him. Yeah. Although yeah. the yeah. one thing that I did think was weird is that he turned around mm-hmm. and shot and he missed him. But they were like five feet apart. Like, how did he yeah. dodge that fast? Like, he's just a super was, fast character. <laughs> yeah, very convenient lack of accuracy in this movie. Yeah, True. for real. <laughs> <laughs> but him yeah. chasing him around the car was a really good scene. I I really enjoyed that. Um, mm-hmm. And then just when he's behind the mailbox, he's like, "Go ahead and come on out, turn yourself in." And fuck you. Also, him drinking the soda. <laughs> oh, I yeah. The drinking. I like the soda. Yeah, drinking the I soda. Love that. Yeah, it's like he knew yeah, that it whole was scene. the end. <laughs> but oh yeah, he's yeah. like, I just want some coke before I die. <laughs> I that whole scene, I'm watching it and I'm wondering, like, what if he just picked it up and drank it? And it was just some <laughs> shit he just did not like. <laughs> he just reaches down and starts drinking. He's like, coke fucking beer, root beer? What the fuck? <laughs> That'd have been actually even better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that would have yeah. been hilarious. And uh, the one other scene is the interrogation scene. Not the interrogation scene. I'm sorry. The uh, the ending scene where she's on the phone with uh, mm. Claire's on the phone with Doug, and the cops are listening or the F guys listening in. You know, and yeah. he's like, uh, she's like, can you come here? And he's like, are the police there? And she's like, no. And then the immediate cut to outside of her window, and there's like mm-hmm. seven police officers in there. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought it was really like perfect time. It was just really well done. But uh, that's really all I have. I don't have much yeah. else to say. If anyone else has anything, I Joshua got nothing. or Brett or Chris. But um, so I think we should all go around and uh, give a rating. I know we mm-hmm. forgot to do that the last episode, but Joshua, if you want to, out of five uh, stars, what do I you gave get? it three. Uh, despite uh, you know, me having a fair amount of things that stood out to me that I wanted to be better. That's that's ultimately how I feel about the movie. I enjoyed it fine. Uh, any of the things that I point out are just yeah, things good. that I I wanted to like it more. I wasn't trying to like take away from it. It was just like I wanted to be more impressed. Yeah, that's definitely a very that's a valid complaint. Uh, or not complaint, I guess, but a valid thing to think about it. Um, what about you, Brett? How many stars do you give it out of five? literally everything that josh just said you could just mirror i had a good time watching it but three stars (laughs) and nothing really wrong with it i just i kept thinking oh this movie's gonna do Mm. this and it'll impress me so much more and it didn't and that's not a bad thing it's just uh 
yeah there's there's some sure. changes that could have impressed me more but i was perfectly yeah. content with my time watching it and uh, i think that, that it, it's earned a solid three i wouldn't you know yeah i, I think good movies aren't a bad thing everything yeah. doesn't have to be fantastic you know in exactly your opinion or whatever so mm-hmm. what about you chris how many stars out of five five star movie <laughs> my boy <laughs> <laughs> i um yeah i give it four and a half because there are a few issues that i have with it i don't think it's you know the most perfect film ever or anything mm-hmm. like that but um i can't argue with five stars at all i also can't argue with three <laughs> so i don't really know <laughs> but um i think next week is chris figs your this turn to pick week. so what what movie are we going to be watching next week so i've been fighting about this with myself for about two weeks (laughs) but i think i came up with what we're gonna watch and we're going to watch the studio ghibli movie spirited away oh lovely i'm glad we're finally getting to an animated movie yeah it was between this or lego we did mary poppins well true not a fully animated movie, but a movie yeah, I but think should have been. Spirited Away is, is good. I'm sorry. No, that's mean. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing about Spirited Away, I, I don't. I think that have, have all of us watched. I it watched in the it past? once in middle school. Yeah, I have. Uh, this will be my first time actually playing, paying attention to it. Okay, but. it's a very beautifully animated movie. If nothing else, oh, I, I would say that. But I am excited to watch it again as it's been uh, five mm. years since I've watched it. So yeah great movie all right so good choice yeah, uh, i'm excited to talk about it it's been a while for me too i i remember loving it it's one like as kind of the person in the group that doesn't much care for animated movies it's definitely up there with yeah. some, one of my favorite ones for sure i haven't seen it so i'm excited for yeah. that it was between two animated movies <laughs> nice this and Lego yeah Batman, i'm excited so. to watch it again because i haven't what watched it in 15 years i watched it in middle school anime club oh wow <laughs> yeah, I think about the same for me. All right, yeah. well that's that'll be exciting. Um, Brett, I know you're usually the one to carry us out of here. You want to go ahead and do that for us? Well, I will carry us out then. Uh, thank you for jo- for joining us for this week's midweek matinee. Remember that you can find us on podcast services, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, any of them. If you are on, if you like a one that we're not on, let us know. We'll try and get that fixed up. If you're on one that gets you a chance to rate the show, please review it. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and of course, it lets other people know if our show is worth their time. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and interact with us on social media, you can do so at midweek mat or at matinee underscore midweek uh, and if you want to interact with the other ones we're going to start trying to figure out some way to put everybody else's in since they are not uh, but I don't know uh, hey Josh is mm-hmm. an android is a loser <laughs> it's the only one I know for absolute certain uh, but of course lastly if you want to support the show in any way shape or form you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to get the episodes early uh, and of course some other cool things so we will see you guys next week thank you bastard guys good night uh thanks to our patrons josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popst shadowist steven salazar the stonard travis below Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, and Tyler Powers. Thank you.
Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.